0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. I am your host, Amanda Joy Loveland, and as always, I am so thrilled that you are here. And this next interview is one that is quite beautiful, and I was really honored that she felt comfortable in sharing it with me and with all of you. It takes a lot of courage to share the story that she is going to share with you. And before we dive into that podcast, please like, subscribe, and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and share with those that you think this would assist. I know that most of us, when we step out of religion or we are one foot in and one foot out, it's a very lonely process, and this podcast is a way to feel supported and to be reminded that you are not alone and that there's other people that have gone through similar paths as you. Also, if you're feeling the call to come onto this podcast to share your story, reach out to me. You can go on to my social media, amanda.joy.loveland. Make sure you're following me there, and you can message me there on social media. And then head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com, to make sure you are subscribed to my emails. I make sure that I am sending out emails every week, and they almost always include a freebie. So make sure you're signed up for those so that you are the first to get my latest offerings. And I've got some really cool ones coming up here pretty soon. I'm super excited. So without further ado, let's dive into my next interview. Well, hello. I'm just going to start talking, but I love that we're sitting across from each other and just had you know, connected over social media and you've reached yeah. out a little and, yeah, and here we are. So welcome Camilla. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. It's been fun. We've been chatting away for the last 30 ish minutes <laughs> yeah. and I guess now it's time to get recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I, before we dive into your story, what, what was it that felt like, you know, I, I feel like I get to share my story.
1: I'm, um, well, i
0: I listened to all the
1: episodes, and the I also listened to Mormon Stories podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I came across by accident, like a Mormon Stories podcast, and so then I kind of started listening mm-hmm. to some of those, some of the history, and I was like, "This is it." The John Dolin, John Dolin, yeah, DeLyn. yeah. Okay. and I really appreciate the evidence mm-hmm. based you know the history but i was really craving the spiritual and yeah. um my uh, see here i call her my sister but uh, her dad and my mom had a baby yeah and she reconnected with my brother and she had gotten some shot, she came to you. Oh, for really? Some shaman work. I didn't know that. Yeah. That fun. And so she had posted about you and just said it was the most spiritual oh, you're experience. Talking about Allie. Allie. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, was saying it was the most spiritual experience. And I had gone through something similar. And so I followed you. And when you came mm. out with your podcast, it was just everything mm. I needed because, you know, these are other people who have unraveled. Yeah. You know, and but then also found God. You mm-hmm. know, there's that spiritual aspect that I resonate with and have this belief in, and yeah, it's nice to hear how other people came out of mm-hmm. that unraveling, still finding some sort of divine yeah. connection.
0: And peace, really. I feel like, because not everyone. I just interviewed a gentleman yesterday who, you know, he doesn't know if he believes in God anymore, and and I feel like I, you know, maybe one out of every fifteen are like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but yet there's still that sense of peace. Yes, you know, of of I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel like,
1: um, yeah. They, I've listened to a few of those, even on. Mormon stories, mm-hmm. stories like that. And even people who are atheist and find peace, I feel like they've connected to a higher self. Yeah. You know, or something. Higher, yeah, yeah. Something that has brought them peace and mm-hmm. they are a little I don't know, feel more whole and so they're more confident. Yeah. And it's not this I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it goes to goes to their they're listening to that 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 knowing or that something that's within. And so whatever they're knowing now, their belief system that comes is so yes. personal. Yes. um, That that's, I feel like from what I've experienced and what I'm, inter- you know, as I'm interviewing everybody, it's so that's where that peace comes from. That stillness of like, I've had this knowing within me for a long time and now I'm actually listening and following through and, and discovering what, what I want in my life. Yeah. For me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, self-love. Is the word that keeps yeah it's like I think self love just even loving who you are and nurturing yeah your own soul is almost is a connection in a way you mm, know it's hundred percent I, I believe that we're all we we all are part of God you know it's oh for sure so yeah you know they've connected to their self and I mean if that's all you do like that's amazing yeah you know because you know I agree. Healed people heal people, you know. Yeah, and our
0: stories are powerful, and I'm yeah. excited to dive into yours. And yeah. so were you raised, Warman? I was.
1: So my parents are both converts. My mm. mom grew up in Palmyra, so where Joseph Smith, yeah. the origin, started. Oh, interesting. She actually worked in Joseph Smith's home. Oh, really? As a teenager. Huh. Yeah, so she worked, I believe, on those sites. My dad his he was i can't remember when he got baptized but um he grew up in california and my uh, his dad left when my grandma was pregnant with him mm. he was an alcoholic and i don't know if he cheated on my grandma but um there's some you know trauma there yeah and my aunts, especially who, you know, my, my the oldest aunt, she, uh, yeah, definitely grieved, you know, she was daddy's Mm. little girl. And, um, I think even my other aunt, you know, she's, she's very happy. So she, she's kind of, you know, it's like, ah, you know, loser. (laughs) Keep moving forward. (laughs) Yeah. She's moving forward. Um, but I think deep down, yeah, it's probably yeah, really course. hurt her. I imagine. And he left. He moved to Washington, and married someone else. Um, I don't know much about him. So this is about all kind your dad. Of, I don't know much, much. Oh, about, about your my biological grandfather. grandfather. Okay. Um, I remember meeting him. Yeah. I was like two. And it's funny. I have this memory of running down a. One of those outdoor hallways, you know, where uh-huh. you go outside and it's like a greenhouse. Yeah. And I saw him at the end and I yelled, Grandpa! And I was mm. running with my arms out and he put his arms out and yelled my name mm. and an excitement to see me. And it's the only memory I have of him. Oh. And so I'm sure there's been healing done. Mm. I believe that on like on the other side or something. But um, so no shame or you know, at him, I, 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 he probably had his own demons, but, um, there was definitely trauma. So my dad, I think when he was like five, maybe my, um, grandpa wait, uh, he met my grandma and he was LDS Mm -hmm. from Springville and he met her. She had, um, I think she had, lessons with the missionaries and got baptized mm. and my aunts got baptized. My dad got baptized. And so, yeah, they're, they're converts. And mm. so, yeah, so in a weird way, we are related to Joseph Smith. Yeah. I'm, huh. I'm cousins, distant cousins, not too far off, but we have the same grandmother. Mm. When you put it all together, we have oh, the same grandmother. So. Yeah. It's just they didn't join the church. Yeah. You know, they weren't part of that. Huh. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up LDS. My dad um, was very patriarchal, like
0: uh-huh.
1: very um, letter of the law, kind of an extremist. Um, mm. I used to joke with my siblings that dad would pray what to eat for breakfast. Mm. So <laughs> we'd be like eggs or cereal, you know, but, um, yeah. So my dad, um, was,
0: yeah, he's was kind of an extreme Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that growing up with an extreme parent, e- especially yeah. for a patriarch?
1: Yeah. I, um, it wasn't until I got older that it really started to bother me. because mm-hmm. um, i I know he I felt like he loved me, you know, um, but compared to my brothers, you know, there was definitely kind of a um, if we were to have arguments, he'd believe my brothers versus mm. my voice mm-hmm. um. You know they're priesthood holders. Mm-hmm. When i uh, my younger brother was on his mission, we were. I was talking on the phone with my dad, and he uh, said to me, "He's like, when I die, your brother will be your spiritual eagle." Oh and I was boy. like, I remember that really stung, and I was like, "I got my own dang wings, like, right. yeah, you know." I'm like, I don't, I don't need an eagle. Mm-hmm. Like my husband's not even my spiritual eagle. Like yeah. I'm, you know, I've got mm-hmm. my wings. I'm good. And anyways, but I also feel like my dad is kind of a spiritual and maybe a religious covert narcissist. I've gone through some, read through some narcissist healing, like mm-hmm. abuse, and. It was like light bulbs going off. Mm. And so it wasn't until later in life that I've recognized. So growing up, it just kind of, it is what it was.
0: Yeah, it was your reality. Yeah.
1: Um, we definitely, I mean, it was sometimes, there, I remember a Christmas where, um, after my parents' divorce, uh, a Christmas where he had us go into separate rooms and read the Bible, mm. you know? Mm. And just kind of things like that. I think just trying to go over and beyond. And and now I recognize why he was so extreme. You know, I think there was things he was covering up. It's like the pendulum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's this, he just wasn't, I think because of things he had done that were so bad mm-hmm. that, uh, he would go extreme this way to look very good. Yeah. And so I think ultimately the way I see him now, it is kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing. hmm
0: And that's and been that's really...
1: That's most narcissists are. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really hard. I can feel my body shaking as I talk about some of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. Because, um, yeah. Well, you experienced yeah. some trauma with yeah. your father. Yep. There's a lot of trauma. Um, and I've been healing from it the last year or two. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a few years. It's just been, yeah. Um, I was very devout. I grew up with a really good girl. Um, just tried to do everything right. My dad really taught the biblical version of God. So I... Th- The way I've described it, like even when I married my husband, um, I constantly felt like I had to look over my shoulder. Mm. Like, is God going to punish me? So a lot of like
0: fear and hell and brimstone kind of. Yes. Lots of
1: fear around God. Mm. Um, I remember kind of feeling that as a child, just that fear, but also I loved God Mm -hmm. and I loved Jesus and um but there was definitely this okay if i step out of line Mm -hmm. he's gonna punish me like something's gonna go awfully wrong you know um my dad once said to me when i married my husband he was like if you love someone more than you love god he will take that person away from you oh wow and i just sobbed and sobbed because I loved my husband more than any, right. anyone, you know, and in some ways, in my mind, more than I loved God. Well, it's a different? Kind it's not. Of love. It's not a competition. Right. It was just like he is just my person. Yeah. I, was, I just, I, you know, would just die mm. if I lost him. You know. So I was, I uh, that really scared me. How How old were you when you got married? I was like twenty. So young. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Um, I was 19 when I met my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, we have kind of a interesting story, but, uh, yeah, we were 20 when we got married. Mm-hmm. We got pregnant before we got married. Oh. So. So you were. That's uh, part of. Yeah. the story. But, um. So young
0: mama and getting young married. young mom. And now. And, this fear of don't love your husband more than yes, God.
1: Yep. Oh. There was just a lot of programming. Yeah. And so, uh yeah it was it's, it's really interesting. Um, as a child, I had spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. and so I used to say, like I could have been born to atheist and felt there was something. yeah, you know I, I feel I don't know how to explain that, and that's just my perception and my experience. but um i I when I was like three, I had three dreams Mm -hmm. about and in Mormon doctrine like the Mm pre-existence I saw myself as a an adult woman and it was nothing but love like I, I saw other people and I remember seeing this woman sitting in a circle with people talking and I ran over and hugged her. Hmm. It was someone I knew. And mm-hmm. um, I remember walking next to a man and I just could see his feet. Cause it was from my, like that I view as an adult woman. Yeah. And I don't know how to explain that as a three-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, like having these dreams.
0: Yeah. Very vivid. It sounds like yeah, too to be able vivid. to still
1: recount them. And yeah, and I yeah. remember asking my parents like, what was the pre-existence like? You know, and they're like, we don't, we well, don't know. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know if there was some programming involved that helped. You know, like if that's how the dream translated, but it felt like a memory. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And the last dream was kind of about contention. Like there was a lot of fighting. It was like po- almost political in mm-hmm. a way, and. I remember standing up to say like, you know, don't you see like, you know, just like, it just broke my heart in the dream. I was grieving the fighting and people that I loved, you know, choosing something that I felt was going to be harmful, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't know what it was in a three-year-old's mind. Um, But then off in the distance, there was this man and he was really angry with me. Hmm. And I woke up. So I always kind of thought, oh, that kind of really goes in line with, you know. But it could have just been dreams. And I, I was really heavily doctrinated. Mm-hmm. Um, but they felt like memories in a way. And it could have been, I just try not to put too much stock yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, to validate, you know, kind of what I don't believe in as
0: Mm -hmm. much anymore.
1: yeah. But I do believe in, you know, this, you know, that spiritual aspect. And Mm -hmm. when I was at that same age, I had claimed to have seen Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't have memory of that. But my mom, I remember praying that he would come hold me. Mm. So I don't know what kind of, you know, mm. emotional experiences I was having to want to call on him. Mm-hmm. But um, I I remember crying for him. Mm. And one day my mom said I walked up into the kitchen really quietly and said, Mom, Jesus came to me. Mm. Jesus is downstairs. Come meet him. And we came downstairs and, of course, wasn't there. Yeah, And so I was like, Jesus, where did you go? <laughs> you Aww. know, and... I told my mom, he was sitting right here on the couch. He helped me. He was sitting right here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And that I was
0: around like, three? Yeah. Huh.
1: So I don't know. Um, that's just based off of what I've been told. And that my yeah. parents wrote in my journal about it. Mm. They kept a little journal. Well, that's cute.
0: And so, yeah, I... I now as you have recounted and remembered some of these things that had happened to you with with your dad mm-hmm. it was started around 2 or 3 correct Yep Yep so it's interesting that there was this aspect of comfort that was coming in mm-hmm. as you were a very young child experiencing yep. some abuse
1: Yeah yep Yeah my dad um definitely had from what um like depression type episodes so He'd be like really gung-ho, you know, Mormon Tabernacle Choir. That's the only kind of music or church videos, the only kind of stuff we would watch. And then he would hit bouts of depression. Mm. And he his energy would shift. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being sensitive to the energy in our home. And it really affected me. Um, I have lots of memories of my dad just... In a dark place, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "What's wrong with you, Dad? Are you okay, Dad? You know." Um, but there was some darkness around him mm-hmm. that I didn't know what that was. But I also never wanted him to really hold me. I maybe as like a young toddler, mm-hmm. I don't really remember. But as a young child, growing into teen years, and Never felt comfortable with him even touching my shoulders. Hmm. You know, my stomach would turn. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, there was just sometimes there would just be this really dark energy. He was not dad. Um, didn't want to be around us. He wasn't really good to my mom and he even, even in conversations I've had with him, he admits that he was a terrible husband. Hmm. You know, he was not, was not kind to her, very patriarchal, patriarchal. Patriarchal. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he uh, just, yeah, the whole, you know, when you go to the temple for the first time, Eve answers to Adam as Adam.
0: Right, and by Adam say yes. It's yeah. very much like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, the men were very important, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that's always been a shelf thing for me. Even when I went through the temple for the first time, I was like, I don't like that. So i mm-hmm. ignore that because
0: that's not my experience with my husband. He's not anything that's like so that, good. but yeah, yeah, that was hard for me too. I'm like, I'm yeah. supposed to bow my husband, my head and say, yes, <laughs> you know? as my husband talks to God and uh-huh. I listen to my husband. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, um,
1: I guess I'll get into that. Further. I'll, I guess I'll share some more about my dad and then that'll mm-hmm. progress into some of this. But so um, when I was nine, um, well, I guess I'll back up. When I was five, I had a dream. My parents were getting divorced and I remember begging them not to. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, oh, of course, you know, we won't. And then when I was nine and I was in third grade, and I remember we were having, we, me and my siblings were playing and there's five of us. Mm-hmm. Um, the youngest was, had just turned one, my youngest brother. And uh, yeah, he, they came in and were, like, we're gonna have a family meeting. And I remember hearing a voice that said, um, your parents are gonna get divorced but you're going to be okay. It's mm. going to be okay, Camilla. And so I sat there holding my baby brother, and they proceeded to tell us they were getting a divorce. My dad was being excommunicated, mm. and he was crying, and it was very emotional. I remember just feeling really like, concerned about my dad. It was just this deep love I had, in a mm-hmm. way, for him. Mm-hmm. I don't, And I don't know if that was groomed, mm-hmm. in a way, just being like so anxious and scared about his feelings all the time. Yeah. I was just felt really responsible for his feelings. And so um, we didn't know why. I remember asking questions like, did he cheat on you? Did he, like, what happened? And like, oh, we'll tell you when you're older, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and later, I think a few years later, my mom remarries. Uh, and the step family, they weren't very welcoming of Mm. us. Um, they were okay, but they were just kind of that, you know, seemingly from the outside that Molly Mormon, Mm. you know, and, but they were not, they were, some people were nice and it was a large family. My, my stepdad is the oldest of nine kids, mm. i trying to remember. But there were some who might've been welcoming, some who were just not. And um, I remember we were having a Christmas party and I was just really upset about my mom remarrying. Yeah. So upset about it. My dad had it so uh, programmed in my head that they were getting back together. hmm and so I was just very like team mom and dad getting back together, wanting our family back together. And, yeah. and I was really angry with God for telling my mom to divorce my dad. And that was what I was told. And so that was really hard for me. And I kind of felt like God abandoned me. And I was walking down this hallway and my, my stepsister, who's my age and my cousin step cousin who's my age were joking and laughing and I wanted to join them I was like what are you guys doing mm-hmm. and they're like oh we can't tell you and I was like well why why can't you tell me and they were just kind of trying to exclude me mm-hmm. and kind of like they had this like click going on and there was something weird energetically I was like this doesn't feel right and I, and I kept pressing and I can't remember if my cousin said, like, if it was my cousin or my sister, but, like, we can't, I think it was the cousin, but she was like, we can't play with you because of your dad.
0: Hmm.
1: And I was like, why? Because of my dad. And, like, and she was like, your dad molested children. And I just, that's not true. And broke down crying. You were how old? I was like 13. Oh, 13. Wow. And, um yeah, my mom, my mom remarried when I was like turning twelve, mm-hmm. it's like eleven mm-hmm. and so, anyway, so we were kind of fresh into this family, and I just like bursted in tears, yeah. and I went to my mom, and so they talked with me. And so my mom explained that my dad had sexually abused some little girls. Uh, my mom had done daycare. And yeah, these girls were. Um, yeah, that's it. My dad sexually abused these little girls. My dad <clears throat> only confessed to lewdness, saying he exposed himself to these girls with, mm. you know, being erect. Um My dad has also alluded to maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe some touching. Mm-hmm. But um, my gut tells me there's it goes much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. As I just remember the dark, yeah, feelings there. Um, but um, two of my little sisters are he confessed to also you know, inappropriately touching mm-hmm. or, you know, abusing. And, um, so there was quite a few victims. Mm, nice. Um, I was inappropriately, inappropriately touched at five. I remember my parents went on a date. I always thought it was the babysitter. And sometimes I wonder if it was the babysitter, if it was my dad, my mom really believes it was probably my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think their bishop at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe thought it was um, my dad. And so I just remember I was asleep looking at the wall and I saw the door slowly open. I heard the man unzip his pants and then he was putting his hands up my leg. And I heard that voice again and it was, Mm. Camilla, move. It was like really stern. Move, act like you're waking up. And so I... Started to stir, heard he took his hand out and zipped up his pants and ran out the door. Hmm. The next morning I told my parents, and my dad just, his reaction was very like, almost somber, like my mom freaked out. But my dad just laid there on the bed with his forearm over his head, just staring at the ceiling. Hmm. And I remember as a child thinking, like, what's wrong with dad? Like, why isn't he mad? So sometimes I wonder, yeah. you know, I don't know. But um but it would make sense. So yeah, there was he that was what he got excommunicated for. Mm. Um he worked really hard on the outside to he wanted to be kind of like um he loves being viewed as someone very spiritual. He loves that mask. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like the respect, the um. So people really like I've heard from people that when they meet him, they're like, "Oh, your dad could be an apostle."
0: And you're like, "Oh, Oh, really?
1: (laughs) Only you knew." Um, and so, yeah, he was just a master groomer, master. Now looking back, I can see the narcissistic abuse. Yeah, and um. Just little things of getting us really. I just the programming of being really scared of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Just there's a lot of fear, a lot of um, manipulation and grooming, and and so.
0: Um, well, and if you were taught to fear a male God, a white mm-hmm. white male God, yeah, then you naturally will feel it, fear the patriarchy as well. Yes. And when there's fear, when someone's afraid, it's a lot easier to control and manipulate someone who's in a fear state. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just,
1: I remember as a teenager observing my dad sometimes and thinking, because he was just so extreme. Mm-hmm. And I would think, well, it's because he loves God so much. Mm, interesting. But then I would say, think to myself, like, is he doing this for show? I don't know, you know. And I've had conversations with him, mm-hmm. you know. And I know, like, because he was excommunicated for this, he got rebaptized when I was like in my late teens. I want to say, yeah, he got rebaptized, um, and that became a huge issue. Uh, he would, because he was declared clean.
0: Oh, and We no
1: longer talk about his sin.
0: Oh, interesting!
1: So it's like it never existed, hmm. and so we were shamed into speaking about it. He really ingrained that in me to the point I was protective of him, and so when people would talk about it, I was like, "You are not supposed to talk about this." Mm-hmm. And I became kind of a, yeah, you know protector in that way Mm -hmm. and just because i thought that's what god i really like it was so ingrained in me that i thought that that's what yeah i was standing for truth and righteousness
0: well and you are taught when you get baptized you are washed clean so there's an element that yeah yeah
1: that he was declared clean and um so my sisters especially it's just been a huge struggle because they were not only shamed in ways by me Mm -hmm. um and my dad and his side of the family, because they're very protective of him. Mm. Um, like my grandma will hush us if we start to talk about the past. Mm. Um, she doesn't tell people. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's going to listen to this, but um, <laughs> that was All some right. of my anxiety of coming on here. It's like, oh my gosh, like my part of my story is stems a lot with my dad and I could go on for hours about, yeah. cause it's just so, there's so much to it than mm-hmm. just the little bits I'm sharing. But um yeah, there was just a lot of manipulation.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Even like when it. it comes to church doctrine. Well, there's ma- manipulation forgetting. on multiple fronts, yes. like even with not even going into the past and being able yeah. to look at that to heal. Yeah, And that's, that's unfortunate.
1: Yep. And, yeah, it was like, yeah, it it was just like he was just really trying to cover up, yeah, what he has done, yeah. And so then my sisters were never really allowed to once they found out about, um, because they also had similar feelings. Like, um, at least my my little sister, I hope she doesn't care about me sharing her name, but Maggie, um, was very much shamed. Like she couldn't heal mm. fully, yeah, you know, and she was supposed to be quiet, and it was like protect him, and and that's been very painful for her, mm. you know. It's really hard, and now I understand, like, because there's so much pain with my dad that yeah. we want to be able to talk, mm. and being shamed and being told like. Like that we're not being forgiving by bringing it up Mm -hmm. or talking about it. And I understand like moving on from that mud, but you've got to be able to heal. Yeah. And uh, anyways, and it would be like, if there's still even anger around it or lack of forgiveness. Um, My dad has been quoted saying, um, then this greater sin is with you. If Mm -hmm. you can't forgive me, then the greater sin is with you. You know, and that's church, right? You know, right? Um, so yeah, it was. it
0: was, it was kind of in a nutshell mm-hmm. a little bit about my dad. dad, and so you you said you were pretty devout Mormon, then married about, getting married, probably raising. You have five children now, correct? Yep, five kids, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I so I had a boyfriend in high school, mm-hmm. and we were going to get married. Uh. We're, yeah, these young kids really in love, and mm-hmm. um. Did you grow up here in Utah or
0: in Washington? Yeah, I grew
1: up here okay. in Utah, kind of all over.
0: Yeah,
1: um, my husband grew up in Washington. Okay. And uh, oh, that's right. Your grandfather was in Washington. Yeah. Okay. So I have this boyfriend in high school, and uh, yeah, he things were going really well, and then as he was preparing for his mission started to get really bad anxiety and stress mm. about having, having um his heart with me mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And so we became, he like bro- I remember he broke up with me because he felt that he couldn't to- serve two masters. Mm. And I remember him quoting, saying something like that. And, and, uh, i was just really brokenhearted Mm -hmm. and i remember kind of thinking like just when i would question god Mm -hmm. like why would god you know like god knows my heart like i want to support him right so why you know um and so then later that he he had remorse and he came back to me Mm -hmm. and he's like i had an experience and it was like the abrahamic isaac experience Mm -hmm. so he uh he was like, God just wanted, was testing me oh. to see if I would be willing to give you up, uh-huh. you know? And uh, anyways, I remember just kind of thinking, I was like, does God play games? <laughs> like, and I was just, I had like my own spiritual experiences. So I, I couldn't, it just felt so different yeah. than religion. And so mm-hmm. here... You know, my boyfriend has this experience and I, it just kind of crushed me a little. Mm -hmm. And then I, I just kind of couldn't trust even myself and my own experiences Mm -hmm. because of what was taught around me with the biblical version of him. And I could see that looking back now, I see that this boyfriend of mine, um, also had these fears, you know, it's really ingrained in us, these fears mm-hmm. of this biblical version of God. And so um, that's always kind of been a shelf item. Yeah. And um, oh, I'm just moving. And uh anyway, so uh and then there was um there's kind of this view of you gotta put God first before you put any before anyone else. Yeah. And I remember before he left having this conversation, and he said, uh, I told him, I was like, I was like, you know, yeah, of course God comes first in my life, but you come first, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, you're kind of like that second, but you're my first, Mm -hmm. you know? And his response was, well, God comes first, then my family, and he has a wonderful family, so Mm -hmm. I understood. I was like... And then he's like, and then my friends <laughs> and, um, and he's like, cause I don't, I don't know if you'll, you know, always be there. Mm. And so then he goes, and so I was like, so I'm fourth on your list. And I remember that really crushed me. And so we were kind of on again, off again before his mission. And then during his mission, we were writing, not writing, writing, not writing. He just had major, that same, it was just that same story of the Isaac, Abraham, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't serve two masters, can't have your heart in two places at once. And so there was this version of God, this God complex of, Mm -hmm. he'll punish me, I'm not going to do well on my mission, because there's Mm -hmm. this girl, Mm -hmm. you know, that I want to be with. And And that propelled me into thinking I feel like I deserve I feel like I deserve more than that yeah I I want a man who is doesn't view God in that way Mm -hmm. you know and I yeah nine months before the missionary came home I met my husband Mm -hmm. and he was just yeah just amazing and um, we would have conversations and yeah he was like like that's ridiculous, like God, <laughs> like I believe, yay. yeah, you can, like I could, yeah, I could love you and love God. Uh-huh. You know, it's not a competition, right? I don't believe he, like, he just doesn't really believe in that jealous version of God that's right. kind of taught, and that was something in scripture. I remember reading that he was a jealous God, and I was like. Well, why? (laughs) That would be an imperfect God then. And then then, like the whole Adam and Eve story, you know, Yeah, the Adam, just like, it just, everything felt like a game. And I was like, why, why is this such a game? And I just kind of trusted that this was all true. And so fast forward, um, two years ago, let's see here. No, three years ago, um. My dad. There was some drama in our family. My my mom shared with a other my brother's mother in law some stuff about my dad because um, they were just having a baby girl and they were really close to my dad, mm-hmm. and so my mom warned. You know, they they had, and I think the mother wanted to kind of know, wanted to know. She's like, I feel like things are very vague. Mm -hmm. They're told about, you know, Michael's dad. And so I want to, you know, just want to know. And so my mom let her know and uh, my dad got very angry. One of the stories revolved around my oldest Mm -hmm. of an experience when we were staying with my dad and so um, and there is compelling evidence something could have, and my mom suspected, mm-hmm. and so, um, I had kind of blocked that memory. It was really traumatic yeah. in a way,
0: no kidding so
1: um anyways, my dad had ordered for my oldest to get a psychological evaluation, and he was just like really demanding, like he was just super angry, just like almost mad at me for not shutting this down with my mom. Like, Mm. And so then he had an experience in the temple three times, he says, where God told him to warn his children about our mother and that we needed to cut her from our life. And if we did not... I mean, we would be damned, mm-hmm. like God would have ought with us and mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, yeah, that we would regret that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I remember- and this was before after this event had happened or this- This is after, oh, okay. yeah, this is
1: years later, um, years, years later. No,
0: I mean with your mom oh. communicating to the mother-in-law. Oh,
1: so this is like weeks- yeah. After that happened
0: or before? So
1: my mother, so my mom told, so the event with.
0: Your dad saying you need to cut your mom off. Was that before or after she was communicating that she thought something happened?
1: Yeah. So this is after. Okay. Yeah. After um, my brother went and told my my dad, like, look, mom said this about you, oh, and then too. he has this revelation, and so then he has this revelation, hmm. and um, how
0: convenient! It's <laughs> very
1: convenient, and so he has this, yeah, he has his revelation and orders us to cut contact with our mom, or he's going to cut us off. Mm-hmm. And he said, God has been very clear with me, and my dad is someone who goes to the temple like every day, reads the scriptures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, religiously. I mean, I, I, it's always studying his scriptures people i mean like i've said people will be like on the outside will think he's like apostle Mm -hmm. type status you know so anyways i uh remember being getting kind of angry with god like why would you tell my dad that Mm -hmm. kind of trusted my dad you know yeah but i was like i'm not gonna cut my mom off i don't i have no like right like why why and so um Anyways, we, so my dad, he cut us off and um, put a box of my memorabilia in my garage, mm-hmm. in front of my garage, never said goodbye. Um, and so I was, I went through this bout of depression. I was just really toyed with my emotions. Yeah. And I was really struggling and I walked out of church one day I had been just berating myself. I was like bullying myself with just mean words. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, this woman comes running up to me and she's like, You look so beautiful. And just like starts complimenting me. And I was like, I was just literally telling myself the most opposite things. And so she, eventually comes out to tell me that, yeah, she could, yeah, she knew Mm -hmm. what I was telling myself. And she's an energy healer, Reiki Mm -hmm. practitioner. And we talked a little bit about that. And that week I had actually prayed and specifically asked for uh, a Reiki person to walk into my life. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to find one Mm -hmm. and who to trust. And I had been kind of reading about energy. So I was really interested in meeting someone. And I just felt gravitated to it. yeah. And so I asked her if she would do a session with me. And so she had me come to her home and she did it for free. Mm. And um, that's when things really started to, like she started to kind of expose things with my dad, things I, trauma and things Mm. I needed to really work through. And um, I just was holding on to a lot of my dad's energy. Mm -hmm. And... One of the things which was, was really interesting, I had this spiritual experience um, after an argument with my dad. Um, I was kind of at odds with one of my brothers, and he was telling me to go apologize to my brother, like my tail between my legs type mm. thing, like uh, he was a priesthood holder. Mm-hmm. And my dad's like told me I was walking on holy ground. By expressing, you know, my frustration with my brother that I was walking on holy ground Hmm. because he was a priesthood holder. And I went, he told me, he's like, God is telling me right now, the Holy Ghost is telling me right now that you are judgmental and you need to repent. And I went into. His bathroom, I, I was visiting from Washington, so here I'm with my kids, and I go into my dad's bathroom. <clears throat> and I start to cry, and I was apologizing to God, and he I heard this voice say, "Camilla, get up." And I stood up and said, "Look in the mirror." And as I looked in the mirror, I heard your dad's words are not my words. Mm. Your dad's views are not my views. And the way that your dad sees you is not how I see you. Mm. And um That's beautiful. It's really beautiful experience. And I mm. it's kind of that another little aha moment where I thought, Maybe my dad's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? So then that really got me into like she had she said the same thing to me. Mm -hmm. she's like, your angels want you to trust that your dad's words are not God's words. Mm -hmm. And she repeated that mantra. And I was like, wait, I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. And so she really started to work with me on trusting my intuition, Mm -hmm. learning how to listen to my own heart and not my dad's Mm -hmm. views. And, um, Anyways, so yeah, that started some unraveling where I realized I was like, I've been really programmed, you mm-hmm. know, and even with church and you know, I was talking to my mother-in-law about polygamy um, I apologize. I feel like I'm all over the place, you're but not,
0: you're good. <laughs> um, I know these are very difficult things to share.
1: Yeah. Very vulnerable. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, I joked with my sister before coming on the podcast. I'm like, I'm like. I feel like I'm trying to condense a lot into just this one hour, you know? And so, um, but my, my mother and I, I had a conversation about, uh, polygamy Mm. and I was like, Oh yeah, I can never share Mike. I can never share him on the other side. And she was like, well, you will, you will share him. It's in doctrine and covenants. And I was like, what? No, no. And I'm So I went and looked and sure enough, Mm -hmm. and it's the, the words that God spoke in this revelation to Joseph Smith was, um, you know, this is Emma's choice, you know, but if she does not choose this, she will be damned. She'll be destroyed. And that just crashed. I remember being like, so please
0: tell me how that's a choice.
1: (laughs) I was like, who are you, God? Like is this a man's church? Is this is everything for men? you know? Yeah. Where do you, I fit in to yeah. that? like I thought you loved me, I thought you cared about me. Mm. um why would you tell me that I have a choice, but then if I don't want that, destroy mm. me and it just really um really conflicted with my own beautiful experiences. I mean I've had many. Where I felt like I could trust God, mm-hmm. and I thought He loved me and I just knew He loved me, and that was my testimony. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a testimony of like everything else. I, I just believed it, but that I knew. I was like, God loves me mm-hmm. um, And so that really shook me. Yeah I was like, why? And it took me. So then it took me to that experience with my dad with the whole temple thing mm-hmm. that i uh, was like, "Wait, this does not make much sense to mm-hmm. me. nothing this like this is all just for men, like priesthood, you know, I'm just this girl, the submissive, you know, this mm-hmm. is my role, and I'm supposed to be a nurturer, many wives, you know, is this how yeah. it's gonna be?" And I just had a lot of anxiety around it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started to confront some things with my dad, uh, some, some stuff and I relived that memory from when we went to visit him in Arizona and, I uh, came to the conclusion that, uh, based on the evidence I had that things had happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To one of my own, and uh, I'm really cryptic and sharing that. Um, but I, I decided to cut my dad out. Mm-hmm. I just saw him for what he was. Saw him kind of as a Warren Jeff. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad. His biggest thing he wants more than anything is to be a prophet. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be his dream calling is to be a prophet. Mm-hmm. And so. I just saw kind of the ego and the power and saw this version of him. And then right, this was last summer and right as that unraveled and I started to see my dad with clear eyes and really was listening to my intuition. I came across by accident, one of John Dylan's Mormon stories and it was on polygamy. Mm. And so I started listening to um, a year of polygamy, this other podcast Mm -hmm. done by this woman (laughs) And she does such an excellent job. I mean, these historians really, um, really give these women voices. Mm. So, you know, these mm-hmm. these wives who their voices were not heard. They put one man put these journalings together um, of all the polygamous wives of Joseph, and I think some of Brigham Young into one book and mm-hmm. it's called the sacred loneliness. Mm-hmm. So I started reading that listening to a year of polygamy and listening to some more Mormon stories. I love listening to other people's experiences because mm-hmm. I think it helps me do better. Like,
0: and it helps not my, feel so alone. Yeah. Right?
1: I, yeah. I just, I recognize some of the programming and I'm like, okay, you know, like I want to be a better human. I want to love people better and hold space Mm-hmm. For people and their you know their experiences, and not be so defensive of this religion that I used to be really defensive of, and just recognizing the human and so I started to see Joseph through the lens of my dad. I have really i i think I needed that experience with my dad mm-hmm. to then help me unravel doctrines or things in a system that try to where I feel like try to control mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And my views of God, and keep me in line, you know, obedient. Yeah, in this way, and um, just the way my dad did. It was just this extreme. I, I just started to unravel. Like, I don't. That's not the God I believe in. I got to trust my experiences. I've got to trust that love I feel, and so I'm going to stand by people who are gay. Um or LGBTQ plus like I'm gonna stand by these people, mm-hmm. you know, and that goes against right.
0: You
1: know, if my child were gay, I would support my child before I support a system. Right. And before I probably would have really struggled with that based on doctrines. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they are abominations. Mm-hmm. I just really don't. Mm-hmm. And I just I thought if God created them that way, mm-hmm. you know, if all of his creations are perfect and beautiful, then they are. Mm-hmm so i feel more i feel a lot better supporting that and then also the patriarchy you yeah. know when with women and our voices it's like why why don't we have the priesthood mm. why is it that the men only have this special mm-hmm. power and one night i was sitting out watching the stars i love space mm-hmm. you and me the child yes. i just love looking out at the moon i could I could sleep outside and just stare Mm. at the stars, and frequently I do. And I was sitting out there, and I just had this beautiful moment where I felt like I connected with Divine Mother. Mm. And I was looking, and I thought, I just started to cry. And I was like, is she just the submissive woman on the other side? You know?
0: Mm -hmm. You know? and no she is not
1: and i was like uh, <laughs> no she's probably just like warrior bad eh? kind of like cuz i feel like i feel that part of myself right mm-hmm. and i was like i am strong mm-hmm. i am a warrior i am just there's so much to me so much depth to me i'm like and if we're all aspects of her too mm-hmm. then she's just this I mean, there's no words really to describe her. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and she has no power? Are you kidding? (laughs) Of course. And I've seen women heal people Mm -hmm. and like Reiki. And I I just, that's really started to unravel Mm -hmm. things. And so I just, I cried out of gratitude. I was just like, it was just this really nice moment where I thought I am her, you know, mm-hmm. and I have power mm-hmm. and I'm going to stand in that and I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to teach my daughters mm-hmm. who they are yeah. and that men don't suppress their voices, that they don't answer to a man for, you know, permission or for guidance or mm-hmm. spiritual revelation. Mm-hmm. They have their own, you right. know, from this their own little telephone line or mm-hmm. You know, and so I just thought, then what's the point? What's what's the point of trying to make sure people giving people rules and you know this all this stuff within religion? So I just really started to unravel it, and I've it's just yeah, it's been really healing. Mm. You know, and And you this is pretty recent. It's very recent. So have you left religion? I um, in my heart mm-hmm. i have my husband is still very
0: uh, how' has that been when you talk to him about how you're feeling?
1: at first, there was some resistance mm-hmm. because he had a really good experience with his mission, mm-hmm. and he has a testimony of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. It just really helped him. He loves the stories mm-hmm. um it really helped shape the man he is. I mean, my husband really is just... I used to, I joke, and this sounds really sacrilegious, but if becoming the savior was like a beauty pageant, my husband was runner-up, like <laughs> first runner-up. He just, no ego, just, Aww. he has just this pure, bright soul. Like he just mm. loves genuinely. I could just go on. Like he's yeah. just really is the most amazing human. Mm. And so, um, sorry, yeah, I feel like okay. so much gratitude for... Yeah. He's really helped me heal. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, there was there's been resistance mm-hmm. and now he's um being really supportive. Mm-hmm. Like even coming on this podcast. He's yeah. just like he's like I'm so proud of you. Oh. You know, he's just he mm-hmm. loves he would say to me like I trust you. Mm-hmm. Even if you left, I trust you. Yeah. Um that's so, I'm still trying to navigate that. Yeah. Because a part of me loves the community that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want that. And I don't want that to change. Mm-hmm. I know as I have voiced some of my opinions, people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I have gotten the label of like a casual apostate. By whom? Um, some family. Oh. Let's and uh, On your dad's side or mom's side? Um, My stepdad's side oh, okay. kind of sees that more. Um, my mother-in-law is really stru- struggling with that. She's afraid I'm going to take
0: her son away, oh. you know? And so there's definitely. This is the cognitive dissonance that happens. And I think that um you spoke earlier about even that information that was being shared by your mom, that you even yeah. like it you have that freak out moment. Yeah. And I think everyone, depending on what the situation is, but when we talk about religion, that's something that's so bought in, yeah, you know, hook, line, and sinker, like this is our eternal salvation and yeah. covenants in the temple. And, you know, the list goes yep. on and on and on, it is that fear that comes in and the cognitive dissonance of I can't I can't even see a reality where this right. isn't my truth. Right. You know? Yep, and it sounds like you're right in that where you get to yep. start navigating those waters, and those, it's challenging.
1: Yep, yeah. I just my anchor has been, um, the way I've described it, like with religion.
0: Yeah,
1: is I felt like I'm, you know, I used to fit in this pair of jeans. Um, like let's say I'm a three year old and I wear these jeans, but then I've grown, mm-hmm. and for the life of me, cannot put on jeans they I wore as a three-year-old. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't go back. I'm yeah. Um, yeah. recognizing if people were to dig up, you know, go, I mean, it's not hard to find this history, our church's history. And I think it's important that we shed light on some of these dark things so we can mm-hmm. wake up and grow. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, if people could dig that up, like, do some critical thinking,
0: you know, People will do that when they're ready. And that's the thing. It's And that's why I feel like I was called to do the podcast and the way that I do it of of people just sharing their stories and not from a a place of, oh, and all this is wrong and this is wrong. And everybody, I need to scream it from the rooftops. that It's like, you know, everybody has their choice. And in this, I believe, no, you're not going to get damned and, you know, hell and brimstone. It's for sure this is what people are choosing. And now you're choosing a different path. And I love that analogy of the... The jeans, because that's 100%. You used to fit into this box, and now you know what you know, and you, for the life of you, it's like, that box, I can't even imagine my life in that box anymore. It just is not even possible. No.
1: I I, I was trying to tell my mother-in-law, like, I can't
0: go back
1: to that belief system anymore. And... um. And it's been so freeing. It's mm-hmm. been a really beautiful experience, even though I've grieved yeah. because I had this thing with my dad where the rug was just pulled from underneath my feet. Mm-hmm. Saw his... kind of the evil mm-hmm. behind there, the manipulation, the grooming. Mm-hmm. I had to then take accountability for my part in some of that of... like apologizing to people I've hurt, like my family, like mm-hmm. sisters, who felt misunderstood by yeah. me. I mean, I've really been working on healing those relationships, and we're really close now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also healing, like forgiving myself in a way, but beca- I've become my own mother mm-hmm. in a way, where I've been really working on healing my inner child mm-hmm. and all of the abuse mm-hmm. I went through, because mm-hmm. I do feel I was to you know
0: extents and it's really affected me well inner child healing especially for what you did is crucial to your healing yeah yeah and for those of you who don't know what inner child work is that can look like so many things um a lot of times that inner child of us when we get when there's trauma that inner child, say the three-year-old self is so active that you'll end up interacting with people that you end up, you're talking to the three-year-old self, even though they're 30. And I'm not saying this is the case with you, but this is what happens with, with trauma, with children. And when you start doing inner child work, um, one way to do for any of you that are struggling, one thing that you can do is actually activate the three-year-old self. You know, I was sexually abused at three, so I did a lot of inner child work bringing that three year old self and having conversations with her through, for me, I'd go into meditation. I'd go into a field. I'd call her in and we'd have conversations. What does she need? And the shaman part of me knows what happens is that part of us will actually fractal off and step kind of outside of who we are now. So it, and, and you can imagine that if just it's a part of you that's no longer a part of you, but kind of hanging out or in your energy field. Yes. I hope this is making sense. Yes. So because that three year old self doesn't feel safe in the adult self. Yes. And so when we start doing inner child work, having conversations, what do you need? What does she need? Um, one beautiful step is I got a little stuffed animal that she, I carried her around with me everywhere. And it was this little kangaroo that had a little pouch. (laughs) And I did. I like tucked her into my shirt and and had, and you can do that with anything that represents the child self, the child aspect of yourself. And that mothering, like you're talking about, of nurturing that three-year-old self, the four-year-old, five-year-old, whatever it is, and holding her like you would your own child. Yeah. But you're doing it for yourself. Yes. And then you come to a place to where when you then step back into a conversation with the three year old self or whatever age it was. Um, there will be a time where she'll be ready to come back in. Yeah. And this is something you can do yourself. A lot of times it's through other facilitators that assist you yeah. in this. Um, but since we're talking about this, you know, I want to offer something for anyone who's listening that this is something you can do yourself. And if you've had severe trauma, please reach out. There's so many people yes. that are available to, to yes. help and it can heal. And this does not have to be active. And I love that you're sitting here being able to so so beautifully share your story that's vulnerable and raw and very tender. Um, and this is when you come to more of a healed state, we can start sharing our stories, not from the wounded place, but from the healed yeah. of, you know, and I'm sure you're still working yeah. through aspects. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know.
1: Well, there's definitely been anger. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, even a few months ago, it was funny. My mother-in-law, in the summertime, I was just in this period of grief because it was the rug being pulled on two mm-hmm. different aspects. And um, she was worried. She, she had made the comment that like, oh, you know, your spirit is gone, you know, kind of. Oh, interesting. You know, the, the, light da, of, the, light the light of Christ, Christ, Christ is gone. You know, like just, yeah. she could see the grief. And I, I knew she was just looking at my grief. And, you know, there's this, that kind of, that cognitive diff Uh, dissonance in church with like spirit and emotions
0: there is an element of truth in that because there is a death that's happening so that light that Mm -hmm. she saw is dying yes because something else is going to get you know I love that
1: it's beautiful yeah Yeah, so she she saw my grief and um thought that I was going closer to the devil Mm -hmm. versus God you know she was really worried she loves me and Mm. And when they came to visit here in October, the first thing, one of the first things she said to me is, your light is bad." Oh. <laughs> and... Do you mean I can have light without being a Mormon? <laughs> and so I was like, well, I still believe what I believe, you know, oh, yeah. on that stuff, but I'm healing. Yeah. I'm happier. I'm not crying as much anymore. I'm healing. Yeah. And um, wow. I have no longer like... Sometimes I feel upset with my dad. Mm-hmm. But um, I've really been trying to focus on forgiveness in the aspect of bringing love back into my heart. Yeah, Being grateful for what that taught me so I can move on, but I'm mm-hmm. going to leave him there. Yeah. I don't want any more yo-yo. I don't want a well, relationship. You have a boundary.
0: I need that boundary. Yeah, and that's important. Yes. And, yeah, forgiveness does not mean we allow those people back yes. in. Not always. I mean... Everything is different, but in this yes. circumstance, yeah.
1: Yes. And, and sometimes in church, that's kind of how it's, even though I think Elder Holland came out with a talk saying, you know, that doesn't mean, but so much in the culture mm-hmm. is the forgiveness means letting it back in. So my dad's side of the family really feel hurt by what I've done by mm-hmm. moving on. And I think it's really hurt my grandma and my aunts and cousins are kind of confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't air the dirty laundry. Yeah. You know, I did a little here, but, <laughs> but, um,
0: it's part of your story. Yes. And it's-
1: yeah. It's hard to, yeah. because I feel like I don't want to be silenced. I want to be able to share how this, how I've grown from this. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyways, yeah, I have been really working hard, to be grateful for the good because there were good experiences, yeah. you know, um, whether that was groomed and manipulated. I still mm-hmm. felt loved at yeah. times and learned things. Um, but I also, uh, yeah, I I grew from the bad. Mm-hmm. I really did. And I love the level of depth. Mm-hmm. It's given me compassion. It's given me. Um, I really feel like I can sit in like, really, truly, mourn with those that mourn, yeah, and then hold space for them, and now I have the tools to not let that empathically really affect me. yeah,
0: but um there's just, this there's this practice it's called, and I just had to look it up because I can never remember it. It's Kintsugai, and it's a Japanese practice where they fill their pottery with gold. Okay. So when a bowl breaks, they they put it back together with gold fill. And what happens and what the beautiful practice is with it is it's like us and like our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. It breaks, but we when it breaks, it actually gives room to expand, to now yeah. you can hold more. Yeah. So it's like filling those cracks as you go through your healing process with this gold fill of yeah, I went through this and this is what it taught me. This is what I've gained from it. And it's not to say it wasn't painful and yeah. then it's not been challenging and hard. Yes. And um but it's allowed you to grow in ways that you probably would not have ever grown had you not gone through all yeah. these experiences.
1: Yeah. And I really believe that my in a way my soul needed this growth, I think about uh, the cycles of growth like, where I just mm-hmm. feel like this has really helped me. Like, I feel like I'm growing into this butterfly. is mm. what I keep seeing. Yeah, And I just, I love who I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I feel like I chose into this. Mm-hmm. I do. Oh. So I'm grateful. I mean, there's trauma from both. You know, my mom was abused as a child. So mm. there was cycles on both sides yeah. that I needed to work through.
0: So you're a chain breaker.
1: It is. And so I, I do. I have this vision in my head of holding my siblings' hands almost before we came mm-hmm. as souls, like, like mm-hmm. we're holding hands, and like a, I see this like wildfire, you know, mm-hmm. coming down the mountain. And that the fire re- resembles, um, you know, cycles, you know, yeah. toxic cycles of families. And, uh, and I felt like we courageously walked in, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. to you know help put out that fire. My children have a much better
0: life, right. you know. Yeah. And so I'm really grateful. I well, love, love it. Well, and I couldn't help thinking, especially with what I believe, and it sounds like you believe as well, of that choice, and and. You know, if you were to go back into that, that choice point of knowing what you were stepping into before you chose to come into this life. And as you were sharing some of those beautiful experiences that you've had with Jesus and with having this voice and this comfort that allowed you really to wake up and to, you know, see things from new eyes that it was kind of one of those things of you knew what you were stepping into and in order to do what you were going to do, Hey, I need comfort and I need, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, yeah. you know, you're going to get comfort and you're going to get help from the other side. You won't be alone Yes, in this. And I've definitely felt angels, mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, one more experience I want to share after I decided to cut my dad out. So my grandfather, the man who raised him, I mm-hmm. um, died when my second baby was just, you know, a few months old, mm-hmm. and he, I was really close to my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know. And he's just a really quiet man. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad and him were always usually at odds. Mm-hmm. I think there's, they didn't have the best relationship. Mm-hmm. Pro- it's my dad, I mm-hmm. think. I'm um, just kind of now seeing it. I'm like, Oh, I can see why. Mm-hmm. And, but he loved him. Like my grandpa was just, yeah. Yeah. It was, I think I believe he was a good man. Mm-hmm. And anyways, after I had cut my dad out and I was just grieving and grieving and grieving I started seeing angel numbers appear mm, Yeah, I was waking up at 3.33 every morning mm. just w- waking up out of my sleep at 3.33 I was seeing 4.44 everywhere 11.11 mm. it's just everywhere and I take pictures and I was like what does this mean and I was mm. talking to my um, Reiki friend and she was like those are messages mm. from angels and you know they have meanings and so I started looking up different meanings and just trying to feel what resonated with me, and a lot of it just had to do with like being like surrounded with love, mm-hmm. being supported. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that the ascended masters are with you, and I really felt that. I think mm-hmm. going through a grieving process, mm-hmm. and well, I was just three, at my three, lowest three low.
0: Nine nines are all about endings. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. I saw 999 last week. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I got to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> which is a 27, which is a nine. So yeah. it's a lot of endings, endings, endings. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so I just,
0: yeah, I, uh, my,
1: so I started during that. Um My grandpa was showing up in my dreams. Mm. And I remember the first one, I was in an ice cream shop. <laughs> <laughs> and here I walked past the booth and he's sitting there. And I see him, and I go, Grandpa, what are you doing here? You know, and he just motions. He was a really quiet man, and he's a big man. He was really tall, and he motions for me. And I go over, and I sit next to him, and he just puts his arms around me in the dream and just holds me. Hmm. And then I'd wake up. How sweet. And then um, it happened again, and it was happening at least twice, sometimes three times a week Mm -hmm. for about two months. I was seeing him rip frequently and i felt comforted through yeah. this process of grief and awakening mm. and uh, i just felt unconditional love mm. you know and the last dream i had with him which yeah was a year ago um i was walking up it's like i was going to college and i was walking up this bridge kind of like you see at the BYU, mm-hmm. you know, those white bridges or whatever. I was walking up one of those and I look over to the side and it was like almost trying to find Waldo. <laughs> like, it was a <laughs> sea of people. Oh. And I see my grandpa oh. and he's blowing me a kiss and waving to me goodbye. How cute. And I just knew that he was telling me, you're good now. You're yeah. okay. And I was, I was,
0: well, you're graduating I was, in I all was healing. Minutes. I was
1: doing okay on yeah. the dad aspect. And then I started then the unraveling with religion mm, started you know, came through and I've felt supported through that too. I really don't feel God is angry and just have felt nothing but support and love mm, through that
0: process. That's beautiful. Yeah. So for anyone who, you know, is going through, I mean, your story is very unique. So Just with everything that you've shared, if anyone is feeling like a resonance with your story, what advice would you give them? Um, to trust their intuition. I think that's been the biggest lesson
1: for me. Is because I can look back Mm -hmm. now and see where things did not feel good, Mm -hmm. but I ignored them. Mm -hmm. And the biggest lesson for me is listening to my heart, listening to my intuition and strengthening that mm-hmm. really trusting myself and doing the inner child work yeah um yeah i my biggest advice would just to be to center on on that is um yeah really listening to your intuition mm-hmm. and nobody speaks for mm-hmm. you yeah but you you know it's you and god Mm-hmm. you know you and source universe you know yeah. it's i really really believe that and i wish i knew how to listen sooner i wish i had trusted myself a lot sooner mm. but those experiences really helped me mm-hmm. uh,
0: learn how to trust so yeah. i'm curious why why in your story where you were saying you were wanting to do reiki why reiki I'm. Um,
1: really funny. So there was a show I was watching called uh, um, oh gosh it was about a medium. She works with a detective and they go into different homes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and she there was one house that needed a Reiki practitioner to come in and do the energy oh. healing on the home. And uh, I remember I was like what is that? So I started mm. to Google. And something about it really resonated. Hmm. I thought I was like I wonder what this is all about. And there were some things about mediumship and like spirit sensitivities that I resonated with. I, mm-hmm. I know I have some sensitivities.
0: A hundred percent you do.
1: And I don't know how to, I didn't know how to navigate them. Yeah. Very, I didn't trust. Yeah. I didn't trust myself. So I'd have an experience where um, I could see white, almost like curtains moving mm. in my bedroom or mm-hmm. like I'll feel a spirit. Mm-hmm. My grandpa showed up to me the morning he died mm-hmm. to give me a hug and let me know he was going. Um, there's been things like that. And even when I was dating my boyfriend, mm-hmm. I remember one night he kissed me goodnight and I had a vision of my husband on an airplane flying home from his mission. Oh, I could see you. this blonde. yeah, And the thought came, it was like in a joke, like, what's your husband going to think about this boyfriend, Camilla? <laughs>
0: and, oh, how funny. And I
1: just shoot it out. I said, like, right. no way, no. What was that? And sure enough, That's when so I met good. my husband, it was like almost like lights were around him. Oh, And I was like, I know him. I know this man from yeah. somewhere. So, oh, that was so awesome. That was really cool. So um, I just really, I was like, okay, I, I feel like I have sensitivities, but I'm scared of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm really scared.
0: I don't want to be scared. And a lot of people are I know I was a lot of yeah. people are and a lot of it because is because of our religious upbringing yeah because there's so much fear of Satan there's so much fear of um, the shadow realms and the shadow realms are connected with energetics they're connected yes. with Reiki and spiritual healers and you know even to the point of I think it's been a year ago now that the church came out with a statement of anybody that asks for money in exchange for energy healing is strongly discouraged yeah it's like priestcraft. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when you start going into the history and even with religion in itself, with how it did take out, and and from the research and everything that I've done, taking out the women aspects of God, you know, when you're talking about Heavenly Mother, of women prophetesses. Yes. And... um. Because women are naturally very, very gifted, very in tune, and very empathic, and have—we all have the ability to tap into these these gifts—but mm-hmm. women especially are very natural in it and are very strong and powerful. And in my belief system, there was a point in our in our society where it was, "Holy crap, we have to control the women." Yeah and you know religion came in and it shifted a lot of that and put a lot of dogma and a lot of yeah you know what we've experienced and so it's natural and i mean women have been killed mm-hmm. for sharing their their beliefs and sharing their um gifts and intuition when it's a very natural thing yes and so it is very very normal that most of us go through a phase of holy crap and um you know that's something you know i can talk more about too but yes but well, I've talked forever on I, this with you. <laughs> I know we could we could have a whole other podcast just yes. around this that would have nothing yeah. to do with religion. But there isn't, you know, this stuff is really fascinating and, um, and you know I think it's really important that when we start getting a f- fearful of anything, that's actually our our indicator to lean in. In yeah. my experience, and I would say that this is one of those universal truths, because fear is a control aspect. Mm -hmm. And so when we are fearful of something, there's a level of having respect with when you're dealing with these realms. Yeah, There's a natural layer of, you know, I'm going to respect certain things. I'm not going to go walk down a dark alley by myself with, you know, some sketchy neighborhood. I'm going to, you know, be aware of my surroundings and maybe not choose to go down that dark alley. Yeah, But um, yeah, I was asking about Reiki and, you know, it's really beautiful. And as you re-listen to this story, I hope you notice the different breadcrumbs that were given to you throughout your experience to just really assist you in opening the doors that you're n- yeah. you've now opened. Yeah. And Reiki, just with what you shared, is one of those things that, you know, happen to be yeah. watching the show and here's this and it just, re- it's like, oh my goodness. All these incre- Because yeah. Reiki is, by definition, it's healing by laying on of hands. Yes. And, you know, it's very contradictory because that's what the priesthood holders do.
1: Yep. Yeah, it just saved. I mean, I really, I've, I've told my friend over. I cry when I yeah. think about her, and I was like, "You saved my life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways." I was just, I felt like I had depression, and I yeah. was just bogged down. I felt like chains were around me, mm-hmm. and she, and she felt like she saw literal chains on my ankles, mm-hmm. kind of put on by my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, there was black energy in my spine.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and when as she was removing these things and reciting these affirmations and mantras and um really helping me t- like one of the messages that she felt so strongly which i had received that morning before going mm-hmm. was um god was bringing to light a lot of painful memories where i had been shamed for mm-hmm. who i am yeah and that maybe the light i carry there was you know, I had a lot of jealousies with girls or with mm-hmm. people. And um, and even some step family that I felt, you know, weren't very fond of me. Mm-hmm. I could feel that energy. I felt like it was not accepted and yeah. welcomed. And I felt like something was wrong with me. So then I would start to kind of hide mm-hmm. myself a little. And um, I look at my daughters and I just... Grieve at the idea that I did that to myself. I allowed, mm-hmm. you know, to people please others to hide my light. And mm-hmm. that's what God was trying to tell me to do. He's like, I, the, what I heard was, I made you this way. I love everything about you. Mm-hmm. Don't hide anymore. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she said that this impression she got to share with me was, stop hiding your light. Mm-hmm. You are enough. Yeah, you know you are loved. You are enough. Um, you know, and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I've really held on to that. It was just a really beautiful, loving yeah. experience, and it, it really changed me. Mm, and no kidding. I had to, you know, take the curtains and uncover some really dark things. Yeah. But now there's just so much light,
0: mm-hmm. and. That's, moving what on. that's what happens. That's what happens when we open up those curtains, those yeah. and walk into the shadows. we bring the light with us, yes, and I feel that way
1: with I've often said about religion with my husband when we've had these conversations as i was like, I do feel in order for even as a collective for us to ascend, you know this our souls to like do this ascension process um that I believe in I we have to take a flashlight, you know, in the way or uncover mm-hmm. dark things that we kind of were blind to, mm-hmm. so we can heal that,
0: you know. That's we, what's happening with our world right now. Yes, if you look at the world stage. Yes, that's what's happening.
1: Yes, so interesting. Yeah, so much I want to talk to you about.
0: On that, but <laughs> I know it's uh, probably time to wrap up. <laughs> yes, but. um yeah, I just really appreciate you saying yes and feeling the call and leaning in and sharing uh, your story with such vulnerability well, and thank courage. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you holding space for me. Yeah. I was very, uh, sometimes it can be kind of an insecurity to share 100%. such dark things and the fear of making people feel uncomfortable and also this is really vulnerable to share. Mm-hmm. And and I apologize. I feel like I was like all over the place. Yeah. You were great, but uh, there's just so much. I mean, really, I could. But yeah, life is good. I'm really grateful, and I'm so yeah.
0: glad. I'm glad. Well, thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and sharing space with me and Camilla as we listened to her beautiful story. And I'm sure all of you were touched somehow with this story and her courage to share. I know this is a very vulnerable thing to share our stories. And again, if you feel called to share yours, please reach out to me. You can go to my social media, amanda.joy.loveland, and message me there or head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com. And as we head into Thanksgiving this week, I hope you all remember that wherever you are at in your journey... There is a discomfort sometimes with the more we lean into who we are and the family systems. If this is an uncomfortable place for you, make sure you're breathing. Make sure you're taking time to go outside, to ground your energy, and to not overreact. Everyone is doing the best they can with what they have, including your family members, including yourself. And when we are in transition, sometimes we can be more sensitive and more touchy and have more triggers that are up. So just remember, when you have a trigger that comes up, do not react from that place. Take a breath. Let the energy, the emotions move through you and breathe through it. And let that emotion flow. Let it flow out and do not react from that space where you're charged, where you're triggered. And then to take this as an opportunity to really ask the question within of why are you triggered? And what's underneath that for you to look at? And then let it just move through. Allow it to be an opportunity to look at something within you that's asking to be healed. Because at the end of the day, everything is about you. Everything's about you and you get beautiful opportunities to lean into the discomfort of your healing. And in the discomfort, you will find so much joy, so much beauty, and so many gifts. And my episode today with Camilla was another beautiful example of that, and the expansion that she is experiencing through the challenges that she's been in. And as always, just a reminder, you are not alone, that we all share some aspect of our journeys and some resemblance of what we're going through. So my heart is with every single one of you, wherever you are today. Remember, there's a time and a season for all things, sending you all so much love.